so thankful that you've joined us here today and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. We are blessed with some just incredible moms in this church. We really are. I'm, I'm married to one of those incredible moms. Um, but we have so many just examples of uh, just godly mothers in this church. And so you guys blow me away. You younger mothers, you, you might experience something like this today. Uh, two, kids, two kids told their mom not to cook on Mother's Day, they, they would do it themselves, okay? So nine pots, two skillets, four large bowls, 11 spoons, five measuring cups, and one whole roll of paper towels later, mom said, that, that was the best jello I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I'm sure she meant it, right? So you got to love kids, so happy Mother's Day, moms. We also want to be sensitive uh, on Mother's Day because there are those who, for whatever reason, this is a, a difficult day uh, today, and we get that. There may be some here who would like to be moms, and for whatever reason, they're not, and, and that's tough. Uh, the, this can be a hard day for those who have lost their moms, and, and Mother's Day kind of reminds them of how much they, they miss their mom, and, and that's tough. And then, and then to be honest, some of you have ha may have had moms that weren't that good of moms, just, just you know, if we're going to be honest about it. And so you see everyone else celebrating their mom, and, and uh, you just don't really feel like doing that, and that's tough too. So just want to say up front, we understand that Mother's Day isn't the easiest day for everyone, but I am so thankful that you have still chosen to be with us today, if that's the case for you, and so that's awesome. But obviously this is a big day in our culture. A lot of money is spent on this day, but, but I, most moms I know um, they just want to connect with their kids on this day somehow. So, so if you aren't with your mom today, contact her and let her know how much you love her, okay? Yes, Dan. I would, yes, right? Okay, good. 
Okay, you guys are with me, right? Right? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna do, we'll do jumping jacks here if we need to in a minute. So, so I enjoy watching track and field. Uh, the key word's watching, okay? In, in fact, uh, I enjoy watching much more than I ever enjoyed participating in track and field. And, and uh, you know, I did it all through high school, but probably my least enjoyable sport I participated in. How many of you ever did track and field? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. Yep. And uh, Lydia Peterson, I know, is doing it right now and doing a good job with that. And, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, when I was in, in track, my favorite event was high jump because you didn't have to run very far. <laughs> you just got to go run about 10 yards and then you jump over the, the bar. And believe it or not, at, at one point I could jump several inches higher than my head, and which just amazes me because now I have about a two-inch vertical. So... I, <laughs> Now I'm, I'm like little kids that try to jump, you know, and just don't go anywhere. That, that's pretty much where I'm at now. And in the running events, I mostly did 200s and 400s. I didn't mind the 200s so much, but the 400 was a, just a killer event because you had to try to pretty much sprint the whole time, and it's about impossible to do that, or it was for me to do it. And um, I usually ran the open 400 and the 4x400, and the 4x400 was always the last event of the track meet so and, and I usually ran the anchor leg and so you know I would finish the race and just feel terrible I mean uh, just it just messes my body up sometimes I'd have to go throw up not just to be honest uh, at, at the end of the the event and so I'm laying on the grass feeling terrible and all my teammates are you know having fun they're, they're all done they're getting on the bus and and it's just, it's not fun. Like, why is that fun? I don't know. I don't know why I did it. But, um, so I bring that up to talk about relay events, okay? So uh, in a relay event and track, especially the, the shorter relays, like the 4x100 and the 4x200, uh, the passing of the baton is really important, that handoff, okay? And, and so uh, a, a good handoff or a, a bad handoff can a lot of times make the difference between winning the race or losing the race. And, and so um, the goal is for, you know, the next runner to be at full speed by the time they receive the baton. And, and you just have this smooth transition and, and then you just keep going. And, uh, you know, sometimes that would happen. You know, you practice that. I remember one time we were, I was in a 4x200, and I'm coming down the, the back stretch, and, and the next guy, about 50 yards away, he takes off. And I, I'm thinking, I, there's no way I'm going to catch up with this guy. So I'm yelling as I'm running, slow down, slow down. And, and he didn't hear me or something because he, he ran all the way, and you have the exchange zone, and he gets to the end of the exchange zone, and he literally had to stop and wait for me to get there. And obviously, we did not win that race, okay? Um, as we honor moms today in our country, I, I want to talk about th something that's very important for mothers, but in reality, it's, it's important for all followers of Christ, and it's not just moms. I want to talk about passing on the baton, but not an actual baton, okay? I'm, I I'm talking about passing on a baton of God's love, and, and it's just a, a huge thing in, in our Christian faith. And so um, I, I think one of the most important things that we can do as followers of Jesus is to pass on a legacy of love to our family and, and to those around us. And so 
last weekend <laughs> we went up to Iowa for my son's graduation and, and from Iowa State, which I can't believe happened already, but it did. And, but while we were up there, I got to spend some time with my 99-year-old grandma, and which was great. And, and I don't get to do that, you know, very often uh, being down here. But and I know that one of these times, you know, this will be the last time I get to see her. It's just, you know, she's 99. So. Um, but I would say that I look back at my grandma's life, she is just a great example of what it looks like to pass on a legacy of love. She's an amazing woman. One of my favorite ways that she would show love to others is through cooking. <laughs> she would cook, you know, all the time. Like, that, she was just happy if she was cooking. And whenever you, you went to her house, she just wanted to make sure, okay, do you have enough to eat? And it's like, yeah, Grandma, yeah, I got I got enough to eat, but there's always, you know, come on, you need to eat more. So that's probably why I look now like I do now. But but Grandma, um, she showed love through cooking. But but I w- but that's not the only way that she showed love. She she loves the Lord, and, and she showed love to so many people. And she passed on a legacy of love to her kids, and then her grandkids, and 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 now great grandkids that I think is 25 and and counting, and and uh, and now. There's two great-grandkids that are married, so who knows, maybe she'll make it to great-great-grandma. Um, but my, great, my grandma's a great example to me. And, and you know what? That, when I think about that as a church, I mean, that, that's, that's what we want to do I, as well. We want to pass on God's love to others. You know, what, what's our mission? Loving God and what? Love, yeah, loving others, loving people. That, that's, that's what it's all about. Okay, loving God and loving people. And so as a response to what Jesus has done for us, we in turn you know, need to strive first to, to love God and then, then love those around us, love people. So, so what does that look like? How do we do that? And so we're going to look at a, a familiar passage of Scripture this morning. It's from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. And this is a, a passage that, that's actually often used at weddings. It's often referred to as the love chapter of the Bible, but... But believe it or not, it was not originally written for couples, okay? It's very applicable to married couples, but that wasn't the Apostle Paul's main reason for writing it. It was actually written to go along with a discussion about spiritual gifts. And so there had been a lot of misuse of spiritual gifts in the early church in the city of Corinth. And and in chapter 12 and 14, Paul's talking about kind of the proper use of these spiritual gifts, and he's trying to kind of straighten out some confusion and, and uh, misuse of gifts and hopefully change some wrong attitudes and, and motives that people had. But sandwiched in the middle of this discussion about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and chapter 14, Paul reminds the church that, that if love isn't the central thing in their church, in, in their lives, the, these spiritual gifts don't matter at all, okay? that They were missing the whole point. It, it has to start with love. So Paul gives this kind of this discourse of, of what this should look like. And, and I think it's really a cool passage that we can all learn from. So, so let's read part of this chapter on love. In this one passage, we're actually going to come across 15 different traits that are vital in, in showing love to others. So it's like cool stuff. So here we go, 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. If I, I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And then moving down a few verses to verse 13, Paul simply closes with these words. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying you, you can be the, the most talented person in the world. Okay, You can be incredibly gifted, but if you, you are missing love, none of that matters. Okay, And you can do all kinds of, of outward actions and, and do all these good things, but if there's no love there, you're missing the point. It just rings hollow. And so that was happening in, in, in the church. And so Paul said that, you know, without love, you guys are you're missing the whole boat here. And so so we're going to go through these 15 traits that Paul listed for uh, for what this love looks like as Christians. And so we're not going to have time to to dig deeply into these traits, but but I wanted to at least touch on each of them. So the Greek word for love in this chapter is agape love. Um, There are three main words in Greek that are translated love in English out of the three. Agape love is more about others, okay? It's, it's about valuing others, affirming others. It's an unselfish love, and, and it's not meant as a, a, a gift for just a few people, okay? It, it's, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit for all Christians. And so y- you can't sit there and say today, no, I, you know, I'm not like that. I, I wasn't made that way. Um, that, that's for other people. It's not like the guy who told his wife, you know, I, I told you I love you on the day we got married. If that changes, I'll let you know. Okay, that's not, that's not how it works, right? Okay, so uh, this is something that all Christians should be striving for. And, and the way you show love will look differently for each person, but we all need to show God's love to others. So let's take a quick look. Fifteen traits. They're on the back of your bulletins. Love is patient. Okay, Paul would put that one first, right? Okay, the, the one that's hardest for, for many people, including myself, being patient. Right? Am I right? Okay, every year when we pick our word at the beginning of the year, there's a good chunk of people that, that pick the word patience, and uh, it's because it's hard. And, and that, that Greek word basically means to put up with people. <laughs> so I thought that, that describes it pretty well, and it's true. Sometimes love means putting up with people. Um, just remember that sometimes people have to put up with you too, right? So we've got to keep that in mind. That this word refers to the person who has self-restraint, and so when your natural instinct would be to kind of rip into this person, you, you hold back, you show patience because you understand how patient God has been with you. Okay, so I, I'm pretty thankful for that part of it, aren't you? Yeah, love is patient. Love is kind, Okay, you've, you've heard it said that, that love is blind. Uh, probably a better way to describe it is that love is kind. It, it's considerate. Um, it, it's just sweet. It, if, if, patient put, if patience puts up with a lot, kindness gives out a lot. Okay? You know, I, I would say it takes patience to be kind, 
but it takes kindness to properly express patience. Okay, l- let me say that again. It, if it takes patience to be kind, but it takes kindness to properly express patience. Okay, that, that's tweetable, so if you, you might want to write that down. You know, this, it's good stuff, really. Um, so patience and the kindness, they, they just kind of go hand, hand in hand. Love does not envy. Okay, this refers to a person who basically carries a, a grudge over someone else uh, doing well or having something that they want. Um, in the Corinthian church, some people envied the spiritual gifts that others had. Uh, and you might look at another person and think, you know, everything goes right in their lives. Why, is there, why are they so perfect? And, and, you know, they have the perfect family and they have plenty of money and, and, and you just be kind of come envious of that person. But a person who does not envy is, is able to be happy for someone else when things are going well for them. To think, man, that's awesome. Um, and by the way, rarely are things as perfect for families as they look on the outside. Okay, there are a lot of masks that are put up by a lot of people, and, and, and some of you here today are pretty good at, at putting on masks. But that's a, that's a whole other topic. Um, but, but true love does not envy. Love does not boast. Okay, this is kind of the other side of things. Th- this is the person who is trying to draw attention to themselves. And, and the person who, who boasts is all about, hey, look at me. Look at how good I am. And look what I can do. And, and don't you wish you could be like me? And this is hard because we, we see this in our culture all the time. You know, with athletes, with, with movie stars, whatever. You know, it's, hey, let, let's look, look at me. There's this guy named Royce White who played basketball at Iowa State. Surprising I'd pick an Iowa State guy, right? Um, But he only played there one year in 2012, and and he was drafted by the Houston Rockets that year as the 15th pick overall in the draft. Um, And they had a special about him on ESPN this week uh, because he has struggled with severe anxiety, um, you know, for years and years. And it was to the point where he wasn't ever really able to play in the NBA. And he only played three games altogether. And he says, he says the NBA did not give him the, the support he needed in trying to overcome these an- anxiety issues. And, and th- this guy was really good in college. He just, like I said, he played that one year. But he, that one year, he led Iowa State in points, assists, rebounds, steals, and blocks. So the five major categories, he led the team. And that never happens. But... In the interview, they asked him, you know, do you think you had the, s- the skills to play in the NBA? And he said, of course I have the skills. I'm one of the top five players in the world. <laughs> so, so to me, it, he kind of lost some credibility right there, you know, coming from somebody who played three games in the NBA to say that. So that's a pretty big boast for someone, you know, who, who hadn't played that much. Christian love. It, it's more about building up others, okay, than building up oneself. Th- th- there's this kind of, we're built that way to kind of want people to notice a lo- us a lot of times. Um, you know, love does not boast. Love is not proud. Okay, the, the word for proud in Greek is, is that of being puffed up. It's like your, your chest is puffed up, and, and so you kind of picture an inflated balloon. You keep adding more air to it, and that's what, what that is and and so when this word is used about people it refers to a person who's 
just kind of inflated about their own importance. You know, in this context, it refers to the person who is uh, inflated or puffed up because of the gifts God has given them. And, and the problem is that if you are so proud of, of the gifts that God has given you, you can't fully use those gifts to help others. And that's really what it should be all about. So um, love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Okay, this is the person who acts ungraciously or uh, ill-mannered or with, without gentleness to others. And another version says, says love is not rude. Okay, so the, the person who honors others shows respect to others and, and kind of thinks ahead before they speak. Okay, those who honor others, they ask themselves before they say something, you know, will this hurt the person or will this build the person up? Okay, sometimes we, we speak before we think that question, but it's good if we process that first. And, you know, will this impart grace to the person like God has shown me grace or, or not. So love finds a way to honor others, not dishonor them. Love is not self-seeking. Okay, true love doesn't take care of yourself first and, and then worry about others. Okay, for moms, it usually means getting the corner piece of cake. Letting <laughs> your kids have the centerpiece. Or, or, you know, there's lots of examples like that. Um, so often today in our culture, we hear things like, you have to find yourself, okay? You know, just, just go find yourself. But the Bible actually teaches the, the opposite of that. If you look at it, it actually teaches us to lose ourselves. And by losing ourselves, then we, we find ourselves in Jesus. Okay, Matthew 10, 39 says, Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Okay, that's Jesus speaking, and, and it was countercultural then, and it, it's still countercultural now. Okay, that true love is is never self-seeking. And Jesus lived that to the fullest, didn't he? All the way to the cross. Love is not easily angered. Okay, so true love does not get anger, angry easily, um, frustrated easily. It, it's a trait that, that many moms have. It's a, it's a trait that all of us should have. Uh, this one is kind of like the, the patience one. Most of us struggle with this one at times. Am I right? Yeah? Yeah, you're still with me? Or do we need to do jumping jacks? Okay. <laughs> so this is a hard one. Love is not easily angered. What, what is it that gets you fired up quickly? You know, we, we all have kind of our triggers. Is it dumb drivers? Okay, is that one of the things that, that gets you going? Is it uh, uh, when, when someone messes up your order in a drive through and you realize they messed it up? You know, does that get you upset? Um, you know, is it somebody who has opposite political views as you? And, you know, you just think, oh, you're so dumb. How can it? You know, all of us have these, these triggers. And if we're not careful, then those, they, they get out of control. And so I, I think it's one of those things where you, you pray about it ahead, ahead of time. Know the things that trigger your anger and just pray, God, help me when that happens. Help me to just take a chill pill. You know, and just calm down and think about, is it really that big a deal? Um, love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Okay, love does not store things in the back pocket so you can just kind of pull them out later when, when it's time or w when you need to use them against somebody. It, it does not seek revenge. It does not keep score. 
It's a love that is modeled after God's love for us. Okay? So we see this uh, in Psalm 103, 12. It says, that, And as far as the sunrise is from sunset, He has separated us from our sins. Okay, think about that. That, that is an awesome verse. The NIV says, As far as the, the east is from the west. Okay, so when, when God has forgiven our sins, he, he doesn't hold that against us, right? They are gone. They're wiped out. And it's, an, and it's an incredible thing. And so true love models that same kind of love and doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Okay, most sin, if we're honest, is pretty enjoyable at the time. Okay, it feels good for a while. Satan is he's really good at deceiving us into thinking that, that evil is good. And it's not that big a deal. He helps us to kind of justify evil. You know, well, I deserve it. You know, I've worked hard. I, I don't do this very often or, you know, what, whatever. I know, I, I know I'm racking up this credit card debt that I shouldn't, but, but I deserve it. Okay, it feels good. Yes, I'm married, but, but my, my coworker kind of really understands me better. A- and we just kind of play with that. Um, Colossians 2.21, I, I bring it up often. Do not handle, do not taste. Do not touch. In other words, just just stay away from sin. True love does not delight in evil. Love rejoices with the truth. Okay, real love is all about the truth. The truth of God's word, first of all. The Corinthian church was was struggling with the church, the truth. And Paul was trying to, to bring them back to the truth they had been taught about Jesus. Real Love speaks the truth in love. Real love walks and lives in the truth. Real love is joyful because of Jesus. Love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Okay, this is the same word used for the, the roof over a building. Okay, the, the purpose, purpose of the roof is to protect the building. Uh, a strong roof will, will, will protect a house even when strong winds come. You know, many of the houses in the Joplin tornado lost the roof of their house, and that's what happened to Randy and, and Carol Lee uh, Bundy. All of a sudden, they, they felt rain coming down, if I remember right, and on their heads, and they looked up, and the protection of the roof w- was gone. Um, true love is always worried about protecting others. My parents live in a little subdivision in Des Moines, and, and there's this pond behind their house, and there's this pair of Canadian geese that's been there for several years. Uh, this is not actually them, but it's a picture of, of what they look like. But um, so uh, every year, it's kind of a retirement community, and so everybody just watches these geese, and you, know, you don't have much else to do, so you, you watch geese. And, and so they had these babies, and there's three of them this year. They're swimming around, and, and uh, so my dad last week or it might have been the week before went out uh, um, to the back of his house down to the water and didn't realize these geese were right over here and uh, yeah they get pretty protective right and so they went after my dad they're like you know hissing and doing this thing and and so he was scrambling to to get back in the house so I I really wish I could have seen this uh, (laughs) and had a video of this it would have been so awesome I would have showed you guys the video but um, but they you know they were protecting their their babies, and that that's what what moms do too, right? They protect their children at all costs. They would do anything for their kids, um, and that's what true love does. 
it, it always protects. Love always trusts. A godly love, first of all, trusts God, no matter what, through the, the really tough times, but, but love also trusts people. And, and sometimes that, that might mean getting burned a little bit. Okay, but, but have you noticed that when we, we trust people and, and expect them to do the right thing, a lot of times they do, and they tend to kind of rise to your expectations. You know, moms do that with their kids. Coaches do that with their play players. Um, godly love keeps trusting even when it's hard. Love always hopes. Real love anticipates the, the future with the idea that the future is in God's hands. And real love does not have a, a defeatist, negative attitude. Real love tends to think the best about people and situations. Hebrews 6.19 says, you know, it refers to, to our hope in Jesus as an anchor to our soul. And I like that idea. Our hope in Jesus as, as an anchor. So love always hopes. And then love always perseveres. The, the last trait is just saying, you know, love hangs in there. It doesn't give up. It, it just keeps plugging away. Uh, the, the Corinthian church was was struggling to endure the hardships that were coming their way, and Paul was reminding them that true love endures, and that's because God's love endures forever. So there's our 15 traits, and then once again, verse 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You know, one, one day when we get to heaven, you know, faith that we have is going to be replaced by, by sight. Well, it'll all be there. You know, the things we can see. And, and hope will be replaced by reality. It's all going to happen. But love will never be replaced. True love starts now, and it lasts forever. It, it's the central characteristic of God. And, and, and those who are truly seeking to follow God here on this earth will seek to love with all their hearts and their souls in their minds some of you had had the baton of god's love passed on well to you you did that that's just an awesome thing your your job is to pass it on to others to, to your kids to to your grandkids to to your friends to your neighbors to strangers to the people you work with okay pass on the baton of god's love some of you did not have that baton passed on very well to you. And, and that, that makes it hard. It really does. But, but it is a, a beautiful thing when people begin to change their legacy of love. Uh, it's tough to do, but, but you can do it if that's you. You can pass on a legacy of love. I've seen it happen uh, many times, and it's so awesome just to see that legacy change. Because... You can make a difference starting now for generations to come. Fifteen traits. Fifteen traits of, uh, of, of uh, an awesome love. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let, let's pass on the baton of God's love. Let's pass on a legacy of love. You pray with me. Father, I thank you that, that we have a perfect model of what lo love looks like in Jesus. And some of us have had 
love modeled well in our lives. Some of us maybe not so well, but but all of us have the chance to to take your love and to pass that on to others. And I pray that you'll help us uh, to be able to do that. Uh, thank you for your patience for us when we, we kind of fail in this, when we, we don't show love well to others, when we get angry, when we, we're not patient with others, when we get upset. Thank you for your patience. Help us uh, just to, to be able to pass on this legacy of love to others, Lord. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand?